everyone. I'm Joanne Berry, special educator. And I'm Dr. Candida Fink. And this is Mental Health Goes to School, where a teacher and a psychiatrist walk into a podcast. You hear a lot about teen mental health and how students struggle at school. But accurate and useful information is hard to find. Over the years, Candida and I have had many conversations and learned from each other's experiences. We realize that we need more people in such a critical conversation. Join us as we talk to and learn from educators, mental health professionals, and parents with a wide range of experiences and expertise. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Candida. Uh, hello to all our listeners. This is uh, Mental Health Goes to School. Yes. We're just you and me today. Nobody to interview. No, but uh, we decided we did want to follow up a little bit from our last um, yeah. guest interview with Jane Dembski, um, where we talked about um, absenteeism, school avoidance, right. um, and it's it's a it's a big problem. Nationwide, yeah. all yep. age groups, all school types, all district types. Yep. Um, absenteeism has increased a lot since right. the pandemic. Correct. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we yep. just wanted to uh, talk about some of those a little bit. Yeah, I think that's, I think we wanted to just, yeah, touch on that conversation because it's certainly been in the media. Lots of people talking about it. Some places really trying some some new things. Um, and I think we wanted to think about it in the context, particularly of mental health, right? And how, right, right. you know, mental health issues are um, very much correlated with some significant amount of the absenteeism um, that we're seeing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, we were talking first, right? That one of the, we, we've heard this on different, from different places and in different contexts, but that engagement with fam school family engagement and school family communication are two of the most important strategies and skills for reducing absenteeism or maybe rather focusing on the positive but increasing attendance. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, from both directions. Right. Uh, for, for the school, some districts and schools have a policy and it's state mandated often that after X number of absences, whatever that is, five maybe, right. that the parent has to receive a letter saying your child, and often it's a very stern yes. and Legally uh, punitive sounding exactly. letter. If your child does not return to school, blah, 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 all these consequences will happen. Yeah. Whereas perhaps a different approach would be for the school to say, hey, I've noticed your child has been out for three days. Right? Um, are they ill? Yes. Are, you know, could could you, you know, update us on on what's happening and if we can support you in some way. Right. And obviously, it, uh, if the child so is true. ill, they have to be out. But it might be something else that right. that the school I, could help with. Exactly. And just knowing, and look, even if the kid is sick, like to be able to know, you know, that the kid is, you know, just, right. sometimes the school can support parents in, in some way by knowing 
that the child is sick? Can we help you get work? Are they well enough to even try doing their work? Are they worried about missing work? Because some kids, if they're out being sick, are very worried about it. Sometimes they're too sick to do much of anything, depends on what's going on. Um, But yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think pretty much anyone we've talked to and, you know, about anything related to mental health in school has really focused on this concept of not approaching kids or parents in that sort of very stern, punitive way when we when we recognize a problem that we we want to be curious about it, like, hey, what's happening? Um, we want to be compassionate and we want to be sort of solution focused and support focused. What you know, right. what, what can we do? Um, because I think that those letters are terrifying. They end up in our know, emails now, you know, they get, you know, dispensed with. Um, and, uh, you know, then it's another five days and another 10 days and more and more letters. And then it's become a bigger and bigger problem. Right. Right. And then on the other side, the parents mm-hmm. or the family caregivers can, um, let the school know, certainly, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the expectation that if, if a child is sick, that the right. parents will let the school know, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Right. Um, or as, um, our guest was pointing out last time, a student has a particular problem with a particular type of assignment or knowing mm-hmm. that they have to go to a certain class or whatever it is, trying to communicate that. Yes. Yes. With the school, it's like, could, could then lead to some problem solving or at least understanding of, I understand you're doing your best to get your child to come to school today, but it's not working. Right. What, so what what, el- once again, what, else? what can we do? What else what? can we do? And I think that's a really great point that you made, Joe, about sort of identifying early if a child is having a particular challenge in a particular area. Like, are they really struggling with writing? And this this is like across age groups, too, of students. You right. Know, are, are, exactly. Is it a writing task? Are they particularly <clears throat> overwhelmed by writing or stuck um, or or math or, or gym? Are they – there's something – you yep. know, they're embarrassed about or that they don't want to be a part of. Certainly that's a common situation. So um, and identifying it early. Right. So there's a problem with that one thing, but then it starts to expand. But don't wait the full five days, you know, and parents don't wait, you know, to let. Right. Know if there's a habit, you know, we want you to feel comfortable reaching out to the school to let them know what's going on. And. At the same time, we want schools to be welcoming and encouraging of that communication and, you know, be trying to work with parents to problem solve rather than just saying, no, make the kid come to school because we know that's right. That's not, that's not usually very effective, not, not usually the way it works, um, which just kind of made me think a little bit about how our expectations, life in general, have changed from when many of us went to school, it was like, we didn't even think of not going. It's like, you get up, you go to school. Mm-hmm. The parents, same thing. Didn't, right. it probably didn't require a lot of effort on their part to get you out the door, but life has changed. Expectations have changed. Yeah. And we can hang on to that idea that this is the expectation. Just kids just get up and go to school. But it has changed and we might not think it's great. We might not like it, but it has changed. And so we do need to adjust with that. If we want our students to be successful, 
not only in school, but in life. And for kids, I think in the pandemic, look, remote learning during the pandemic, and that's, of course, you know, the the discussion is specifically the rates of absenteeism that have risen significantly post-pandemic. And while lots of kids missed school and so much wanted to be back at school, there were plenty of kids and families for whom remote learning was this great sigh of relief for right. yep. a number of reasons. Kids with anxiety, right, um, who just are school phobic, you know, for because they have an anxiety disorder or because something specific at school. Um, parents who were overwhelmed. I mean, remote learning was a lot for most families, but for some families, being able to have their child do their schoolwork from home and not have to get them to a school building, there was relief sometimes. So I think for some of those people, that relief, it's hard to want to go back <laughs> to all the struggle right. uh, you know, of going back to school. And I'm not saying that's okay, but but it it points out to needs not being met, right? I think that's when we see these problems that what something about being remote was meeting some need. <laughs> right, right. That, like you said, the social, um, who am I going to sit with at lunch? Um, what about that kid who waits for me in the bathroom right, to bully right. me well, just course, in case, bullying, bullying in general, is a big or, deal or, or the more mundane, who am I going to sit with at lunch? Yeah. I hate that kid that I sit behind in math who always bugs me. Yeah. Um, or a, a particular teacher that you just don't interact well with or, or whatever it is, or just right. the, the for some people the sheer number of yes. bodies and people around right. and sensory sounds stuff exactly and, yeah any of that right. type of thing and that speaks to think you know there's so many reasons a kid who can't sit still in class was so much more happier to bounce right. around kid who doesn't want you know has social anxiety and had trouble participating and kid who um <clears throat> i don't know just n needed to uh you know take breaks for whatever reason frequently could get up and do so. I think right. so many, and or if there were social problems of all kinds, and certainly at the more extreme range, you know, bullying is a very real and very persistent problem in school. And for kids who are, you know, victimized, who would want to go back to school? You know, Right, so. right. And another thing is how much more time people spent with their pets Oh, so to speak. Because we Jojo. saw, I mean, whether you yeah. were in school or doing meetings, you know, uh, yes. corporate meet, whatever, there were so many more pets. Yes. Um, and yes. for many people, having your pet nearby is very comforting, very stabilizing. Yes. And obviously, we can't have everyone bringing pets to school. Some schools do have therapy animals, of course, yes. but that's yes. not your own pet, which, okay. I mean, they're very popular. Yeah, it's the, great when they the do. Therapy animals we have at school are, it's like whoever the person is that goes with them is beside the point. Almost. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just oh, like yeah. Who kids, cares about the handler? <laughs> yeah, the, kid, the, the, kids wanna, the students want to hang out with the, with the dogs. Yeah. Um, so there's right. a lot of reasons why. Um, a lot of needs. Right. You that... wouldn't want to make the transition back to the meeting the expectations of full-time school Yep. out of your home, all that, all that sort of thing. And there, there are some other things that we certainly wanted to acknowledge. Um, mm -hmm. uh, some of the effects of it, of the anxiety that mm -hmm. um, could slide by and not be noticed or right. 
the the student and the family certainly know it, but don't particularly want to share it with the school, particularly if a student has uh, severe GI right. issues, right. Um, had, had to rush to the restroom. Yeah. Um, unexpectedly, that could be embarrassing. For sure. Um, For sure. You just and some and in some public schools with you know you got a thousand kids in the building, you can't just be letting kids go willy nilly. Or you can. I, it's there's different policies, different ways to manage that, and you don't want to be that one kid that's like, well, I'm not going to follow the rule, right? Right, or and they have to you know make a plan with the nurse or whatever that you got to go to the yeah. nurse, but they may be way across. The building, I certainly, right. there are public schools that lock bathrooms par- for parts of the day so that you have to go yeah. very far, you know, so, and, you know, lots of complicated, again, you know, vectors and needs that are being met by that, by that action, but that can make it really hard for kids right. um, yep. to want to be in school. So, or there are kids who are anxious and have to, to pee all the time, <laughs> you know, they have yep. to, they need to or, go. They or feel they're like on they certain have- medications that right. require... So drinking a lot of water and therefore yes, then exactly, the exactly something like lithium yeah. in particular comes to mind yeah. in my, in my specialty. Right. But there are others, but yeah. that that's going to affect, you know, and that's another, just another thing that kids and families may be not, so, you know, telling schools about, or schools don't know about new meds or med changes, physical yeah. side effect, emotional, behavioral side effects. So that's where we just continue to come back to that sense of, communication and engagement and welcoming because we want families to feel that they can tell the school what's happening and what their child's needs are and how can we help to meet their needs at school, right? Right, right. And back to the communication with the communication in general is if something that that we know works is if a student's been absent for a little bit, don't be like, don't be like, yeah, look who came back. It's like, hello, it's nice to see you. Um, right. Just the normal greeting. And as much as possible, students should be greeted every day yeah. by name, if possible. Yeah. Um, I understand if you got 100 and some kids, that might be a little right. tricky. But but if at some point during the day, somebody says, you yeah. know, hello, hey. Margaret, it is so nice to see you today. Or just call the right. kid by name. Just call yeah. the student by name. Say, hey, Margaret, how are you? You know, not at calling them out in front of all their peers, not calling any attention to the fact that they've been out because that's, uh, you know, none of this, oh, look who decided to show up to school today. Right. And unfortunately, we know that happens from some adults in some buildings. So yeah. that is almost certainly, especially, you know, a, an adolescent or pre-adolescent kid is going to be mortified to have that called out. So just a very welcoming, hey, nice to see you. How you doing? But nothing more and not jumping into, well, you have this to do and this to. How are you ever going to catch up on this? How are you ever going to catch up on that? Because that we know many kids who struggle to get back into school are anxious. Right. And that's just going to send them fleeing back home. Exactly. And and if you're in the habit of greeting many or all of the students as they come into your class or into the building, then it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. And then at some point, if a, if a student has been out for a little while and right. haven't, haven't been up to date on the work, just give them the first day to just be there. If they ask, definitely have something that they right. can be working on. But if they don't just let them be and then 
at some point, hopefully as an aside privately, you know, as the right. last person out of the room or whatever saying, Hey, you know, let's try to meet right. during whatever the time is that works in the school schedule. Let's try to meet and see what, see right. what you need to do and don't make it every single assignment. If they've been out for a little right. while, Yeah, figure out what they know, what, what would make sense to right. give them confidence and and master you know like master well you said yeah. that at, at one of our other meetings too joe and it has stuck with me so much that sense of because you know from the mental health perspective we're so making sure the kids are not being you know having too many demands put on them because you know right. for all the reasons right like because there's adhd ocd anxiety depression right we're, we're encouraging schools to sort of be aware and know that demands may not be met so that's always our vector but you said they want to give them enough work to be they want to feel competent to yes yeah. so so that is another part of being successful at school and wanting to come back is a sense of competency so it's not you know removing all demand is not uh, going to help with his engagement either. So I think that's really, to me, that really was like a, like the connection <laughs> okay, between yeah, the two yeah. in some very fundamental way that we want, we need to be sure we're not over laying on too much demand. And also we want to know the child, help the child feel that they have competency, that they can do things, proficiency. There are things they can succeed at and do. And that's not easy to figure out, but that vector, I, I just thought yeah. that has stuck with me since you said and, that. And on the other hand, if they clearly are at sea and do not understand anything, then you've got yeah. to spend the time, right. um, make the time available, yeah. work, perhaps if, you know, if it's at the middle school and high school level, work with other teachers to figure out so much. amongst you what, how you're going to help this student. Like, right. do they have to miss a class during your prep block right. or the after school time, if that's a thing or, right. you know, but not put too much demands on them, but, Oh, you're doing great in history. So during that, during that time, could you come to my class room and we'll catch right. you up and coordinated math. with the, with the, you know, Ex yes, exactly. your history teacher knows we're not, we're not dragging you from history and that like, right. The history teacher and I have, you know, we we're all kind of talking together and want to help you and want you to let us know if they can. Now kids are not great, right. especially if yeah, they're not feeling yeah. well. That might not work, but but having but that communication. Creative solutions. Creative solutions. Right. Communication and engagement. Communication and engagement. Yeah. You are a person, you have specific needs. We want now we want to support you and to meet exactly. you where you are. And if they're fully at sea, competency is going to feel really far away. And that can trigger all kinds of negative emotions and feelings and avoidance. So that support to figure out what even the smallest place that they can sort of get that feeling or begin to have that right. sense. Right. Because why do you want to come back if you just feel like you're never going to catch up? Exactly. Which, I mean... Exactly. And identifying this... Somehow we've... I think a lot of people think that school and, quote, real life work are mm -hmm. different, mm -hmm. but understanding, like if you've missed a bunch of work and right. there's things in your work life that piled up, you know, hopefully you've got the skills. If you've got the job in the first place, you've got the skills to come back and catch up, but Sometimes. it probably doesn't feel good it to doesn't. be that I far behind. 
And think about a student who has fewer skills, fewer knowledge, a smaller knowledge base. Immature brain. <laughs> to, yeah, to work from and and also thinking, oh, I have to know all of these things, you know. Oh, right. Which I point out to students, if everybody knew everything, us teachers would not have a job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for this. And it is literally our job to help you learn this stuff. You don't have to know it all to start. Exactly. But, you know, from an adult perspective, if you think of it from that way, I think that that might help a little bit in some instances. Um, I also, because I, students are not always able to articulate what. No. So if we can have, and that speaks to trying to empathize with them in the sense that they, it's it, the feelings are the same just because it's school and people go, oh, school's not, you know, it's just school. Wait till they have to grow up and go to work. Then they'll understand. Then they'll, and it's like, no, that this is their work. And this feels just as hard to them as your job does to you. It is right. just, this is what they are ready developmentally in theory to be doing. And it is a challenge to them and it is not easy. And there are plenty of people in work life, adults who struggle with physical illness, mental illness, right? who may have to miss lots of time. And then sometimes that means they have to get help at their job. Someone else has to step in and cover for them for a while. Some assignments may have to be reassigned to someone else. If I'm out for a while when I had to have, you know, some heart surgery, someone had to cover for me because I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing work while I was sick. Right. 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 So it's... I, that idea of being clear that there are direct comparisons and that we can't just expect kids to to do more just because they're kids and it's cool, right? They, they need that same level of support, time to recover or leaving off some things or offloading some things just as right, an adult would. Right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. It depends on, on the, the student, the subject, it's, the school, It's so whatever. individualized. Right, exactly. And yeah, the ability to um, acknowledge that and hopefully take the time right, um, to yep. do that, um, which also made me think of sometimes students miss school or are reluctant to come, come to school because they have undiagnosed things like ADHD, OCD, a few of those sorts of things, sure. which somehow interfere and we don't recognize it because... Right. They're not like bouncing off the wall or yelling out at random or right. I don't know, just exhibiting some kind of obvious behavior right. that is hard. And if they're in a room full of 25 others, some of whom are exhibiting some behaviors and, and there's the whole range, obviously, that a student who's quieter. Um, right. The, the inattentive daydreamers. Often more, that's what girls are often missed ADHD because they tend to present more inattentively than hyperactive. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. they can't be hyperactive girls or inattentive boys, but in broad strokes, we know that they tend to present a little differently <clears throat> and kids will get missed. And, you know, it, they're not, they don't come packaged diagnosed. The, the symptoms present and over time we learn and eventually can understand if there is a diagnosis, but that can lead to a lot of struggles for a long time without the kid understanding what's happening, without the family understanding what's happening. And that can absolutely lead to absenteeism and not wanting to be at school, feeling overwhelmed as OCD is another really classic yeah. of a sort of invisible disability that 
can take a long time to get the right diagnosis and a kid may be really struggling for a very long time. And that can have a lot of problems being in school uh, for a variety of reasons. And until, so until that gets diagnosed. Um, So, so that just the, the process of, you know, in a child figuring out, because their symptoms are behavioral, right? And, and so many of these things and affect learning and affect socializing. So it can look for all the world like the kids just being a bad kid, but there's a something brewing. Eventually we'll figure it out, but they can miss a lot of school in the meantime. Right. And and if, yeah, if they're feeling like they can never keep up and then put on top of that, a certain teacher calls them out kind of in a rude yeah. Or, you know, it feels to them like it's it's negative, whatever. And the teacher would have no idea because how could they? Right. Um, whether right. or not this student is actually trying or not trying. You know, whatever the parameters right. are that the, that the school or the teacher might be applying. And then it's like, oh, that teacher always yells at me. I'm not going to school. For sure. Or, I For never sure. know what's going on. I am so stupid. I'm not going to school. Absolutely. There's, you know. Over and over and over. That just happens so, it's just so often. And uh, yeah. And so then kids who've been sort of caught up in this pandemic <laughs> during their educational years, that stuff is just all getting folded into that. And it felt better to be home, <laughs> learning yep. from home, yep. or sometimes mm-hmm. not learning from home, but getting back to school where it feels so icky, <laughs> feels so awful because I feel overwhelmed. Right. I feel yep. lost. Understandable. You know, in other words, again, it's meeting needs that we don't always understand, but that being not being in school is meeting some needs and that that our goal is to try to figure out together as educators, as parents, as clinicians, trying to help figure out what needs are being met with that and how can we meet them differently. All right, get them back right. to school. Having, having some some more flexibility than mm-hmm. was yes. expected yep. from schools in previous years and generations, yeah. um, communicating sure. more um, openly and sooner, mm-hmm. um, both directions, right. Right. and hopefully helping the student build skills to be able to articulate. Right. Because they they might not be able to say, oh, I have ADHD, but they might be able to say, oh, I just like looking out the window and thinking about right. whatever it is they think about. Right. I, you know, right. It, it, which would ex- help the so rest, much. help the adults work to help them figure it out. And being open um, to that. Yeah. We want to know, the, yeah. you know, again, that comes back to sort of trying to set up a, a setting where kids, children, not just the family, but children, teens feel comfortable reporting <laughs> or communicating with a teacher mm-hmm. or someone in the building that, man, I sit in class all day and it's just, it's like they're talking another language. I am so, you know, right. that we and look that like kids aren't, most kids aren't going to be that, you know, insightful or verbal about it, but that there's, we create the space all along to talk about need and challenge. And it's not just about getting an A on every test all the time. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, And back to some of the other episodes we had where um, we incorporate into the curriculum, Mm -hmm. probably through the health aspect of students being learning to manage some of their feelings, their, um, just right how they feel like and being able to communicate some of that yep. to others 
whether or not it's the teacher who yells at me, I may not ever be able to say, please don't do that. But I can maybe tell somebody else that every time I go to this class, I get yelled at. Could, you know, could we, could we figure this out, please? Yeah. And, and I don't like going to that class. The student might be like, this teacher yells at me all the time. I hate going to that class. Plus, whatever they teach is stupid. Right. And right. Exactly. That's exactly where that's going to go, right? This is dumb. Yeah. So I don't need to know this anyway. When am I ever going to have to use geometry? <laughs> right. Exactly. And if there is another trusted adult in the building, perhaps they can yeah. guide right. some discussion and and perhaps talk to their peer their teacher the other teacher yeah. and say hey did you know you yell at this kid every day or at least they think you do so right. maybe you can right. like approach have a different approach right could you maybe which think? i know these are all huge things to um consider on the day-to-day -day in a big school but the more we approach our work that way as these students are are right. here as individuals and and of course they mostly do present their individuality to us but they certainly um, do but that we might need to approach them differently than we are currently i think it's really so i love um bringing up some of our prior episodes because i think we're today this touches on a number of themes. I mean, our episode on the sort of CBT, you know, dialectical behavioral mm -hmm. therapy, sort of teaching kids the general education component of that, teaching kids about emotions and emotional skills as just for across the board, every student in the building and teachers and adults in the building. Um, the um, episode about SEL and that need for communication and sort of, you know, flagging kids who are at risk or being able to provide sort of baseline education and language for emotional yep. emotional mm -hmm. experiences our school nurse who talked to us about um amygdala resting stations <laughs> right, right. To, yes was yeah. the idea and the nice thing about some so much of that you know we, there are specific interventions but applying so much across the board you know to these universal sort of interventions to everyone first of all then kids feel you know Everyone can feel more comfortable, learn some of the skills, reduces stigma. And, you know, it's not, it, it, kids don't feel singled out. Well, you have to learn this, but everyone else is fine. Right. right. Um, so, it, you know, it really has come up in a number of our conversations, these same themes, right? right? Connection, engagement, emotional and emotional skills and literacy, you know, mental health, fluency, literacy, awareness. Yeah. Right along with, yes, you need to get some exercise. You should, yes. you know, eat some vegetables here and there. Right. Um, th things like that. And, right. and right. Along you should with the understand health. how okay. to help yourself regulate um, your emotions. Um, not that you don't have them, but that when you're, you know, and in a situation, I'm sorry, what, to, what, 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 what would be helpful? Right. What, how can we, you're, you're having, you're feeling a certain way. What are some ways to sort of get what you need, right? To, to what, what is that feeling? What is that sensation? How can you handle this situation? What can you do to get your needs met? And um, the woman I was actually looking at the, I'll look her up. We'll put her in the notes. Uh, Sotelis, I think was her name with the amygdala resting stations and her, her website. I can't remember it. I think it's educational enlightenment or something like that. Anyway, she does a lot of work there. She does a lot of professional development, helping the adults learn about regulating, you know, because that if the adults are not regulated, 
there's little chance oh, for right. the children to yeah. be regulated. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, I think that uh, just again, but that's the sort of universal story. Like it's not oh this teacher that teacher. It's we're all working on these same awareness right. and skills, right. um, and keeping that as a you know a broader awareness and influence. And the world is different. People may say, well, we didn't need to do any of that back in the day. But the world is fundamentally different. Yeah, you know, yeah. And we have to shift how we're doing things. And and we know better now, just like we know better about wearing, you and I didn't wear seatbelts most of the time when we were kids. And, oh, rolling around. And that, I'm not loose. saying that's a good thing. No, there are, we there were lucky. Are, we were lucky. Yeah. We're here. The kids yeah. who didn't survive aren't here to talk about it. So right. we know better that every kid should wear a seatbelt. Well, we know better now that all kids in learning and growing need to feel safe and they will have emotional struggles and we can help them. And as a, the adults working with them, as parents, clinicians, teachers, we're going to have struggles and we're going to learn how to regulate to help them. And right. it's just, it's it's a different, we know better. Yeah. <laughs> and, there yes. and there are a lot of broadly different needs, I think, to me. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Or as one of our previous guests said, something to the effect of a kid who doesn't feel safe, comfortable, fed, mm-hmm. not... Um, slept. Not in pain from dental pain or something that's that right. not we hurting. typically take for granted. How can they learn if that's that's right. and and bringing it back to the adults and the workplace? Mm-hmm. If you've got a toothache, you're not going to be able to focus. Or if mm-hmm. it's getting up towards lunchtime, you know you're, you don't pay attention as well <laughs> you, when you're, you're not as not usually not as focused and stuff. So and then put on top of that, that they're actually growing and have other requirements. So important. Yes, exactly. The developmental needs on top of that. As an adult, you can identify my tooth hurts. I need to go take a Tylenol or call the dentist. A kid's tooth hurts. They're not, they may not have any sort of concept of being able to say that. Um, I was just thinking too, we talked a little bit um, before we came on to record about sort of the social determinants of health component, like the Hold on. <laughs> um, the My computer's going to die, so I have to plug it in, but I'm going to keep talking while I do that. Um, okay. Things like at home, is is a parent ill? Or is there enough food? Or right. is, there, uh, are, is there a way to get clean clothes? We were talking about some of these schools that are providing laundry and that kind of thing. Right, yeah. To, to help with absentee, to help with attendance or refocusing away from the problem of absenteeism and to solutions, you know, how, cause there's so much else that can be going on. Uh, families, parents, illness, mental or physical, right. Or of course, financial issues. Yeah. And even touched on housing, housing uh, right. I'm, I'm situations. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just things that once again, going back to the times when we were in school, that either the school didn't know about, was not in a position to do anything about, we may not be in a position to do anything about somebody's housing, but some schools have um, brought in laundry, uh, you know, washers and dryers and made sure there's a supply of detergent because, you know, kids don't want to come to school in dirty clothes. They know. Right. That that's, kids are kids that's, are mean. They get bullied for smelling bad, you know? Right. And they, you know, most, I mean, there's some little kids who could care less one way or the other, but in general, especially by the time you're in middle school, right. you don't want to, you don't want to be doing that. Right. Um, and 
there are our schools. I've read about a few that have a dentist uh, yes, that comes right. on some schedule so that um, families who don't have access to dental care can right. and, um, get that taken care of. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why a student would not want to come to school um, yeah. that can be addressed. Yes. Once it's communicated, we know what it is. That's that's the key. It's that's like the key. And so we have to keep our we have to keep our antenna up because families and kids may not tell us, right? We want we want to encourage families and kids to let us know. But and and also at the school building and district level, we want to create that sort of environment and be have our have our antenna up for things that could be going wrong or things that we could right. fix. Well, to be curious, as you said earlier. Curious, exactly. Whereas, you know, and, and exactly. for example, if if it was decided there were enough students that really did need a laundry facility, don't make it into a, right. I don't know, like, oh, there's those kids who are using the laundry. Right, they everyone are, can use it. <laughs> something wrong there. Don't make it that, make it, Oh, we have a laundry facility. It's available That's for right. anyone type of thing. It's just like providing lunch for every kid, yep. which should yep. be, in my mind, <laughs> absolutely universal. Kids don't want to talk about whether or not they need their, you know, they don't want to be, in, uh, you know, isolated or, or or stigmatized for needing the, you know, the free right. lunch, that kind of well, thing. Well, and so, more schools, Massachusetts did go to providing free breakfast and lunch. I think it's both. Um Without having to, you know, yeah. do all the paperwork and stuff. It's there, it's available for anyone, whether your family meets right. income guidelines or not. Right. Um, it's and, so important being hungry, you can't learn. And look, right. there are families that go in and out of, you know, levels of need, right? right? Yeah. And and again, it's just every kid needs to eat. And I think right. that was I might be wrong about this, but I think that was one of the pandemic changes was that there there yes. was required. Yeah free lunch and that has of course right. gone away but it seems but, to me a basic yeah. fundamental this is a, it's a tone it's it's actually part of that tone of welcoming everyone exactly and meeting yep. it broadly meeting human needs to because you can't learn if you're not meeting right. your basic human needs right? right same with transportation you can't learn if you're not if you're not there if you're the bus well anyway. and that and and as we were talking about earlier that is a big challenge in, in some areas more than yep. others just keeping drivers because of the employment picture that's out there yep. um and i was yep. seeing something the other day where people who they think probably would be bus drivers except right. they're working for amazon right right driving doing okay that makes sense similar makes total sense. similar so type of that, work but... i didn't delve into it that much but it did make sense to me that that, that yep. but just like if you could be you know there's just more opportunities for people um so right. yep, so some sense. districts definitely are having transportation issues yep so you know kids arriving late or not yeah. at all whatever right and that's again that we being curious, what are the problems? What in that case, the needs not being met or that the, you know, we're not, you don't have transportation, that need isn't being met. So just sort of defaulting to, well, it's absenteeism after pandemic and people just are out of the habit. I think, you know, being out of school met needs that weren't. And so, so it's harder to go back. It's harder to change. Right. 
Yeah. In my mind, it has as much, it's similar to people don't want to go back to the office full time either. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and if us grownups don't want to go back to the office full time, you know, of course kids, you know, plenty of kids want to be at school, but for some subsets of kids and families or other broader needs, like not having transportation or whatever, this is just becoming so much harder for them. And it is not just about a habit or a behavioral problem for the family or the kids. Right. And I think we have to be very, that's our whole point here, right. That we right. want to be. Exactly. We have to be curious Yep. and we can't paint all of this with one brush, with one brush. saying people don't want to go or yes. people yeah. are out of the habit or whatever. There, there could be some of that, but of course, but, but it's a much more complicated and broader picture than that. Yeah. And I feel like we covered Probably pretty much what, what, we, what we wanted to. Yeah. And so once again, I'm Joanne Berry, special and I, educator. And I'm Candida Fink, Dr. Fink, a child psychiatrist. And um, this is Mental Health Goes to School. And we're loving having these conversations together, you and me, and with the people we interview. And we really hope that if you're listening um, and you like this, you know, let us know what you like, what you'd like to learn more about, share it with a friend, um, like and follow uh, wherever you get your podcasts, because, you know, we want to try to, you know, really bring people into this, these very important conversations, right? Yes. Yeah. So. so all right. Great. Well, we'll see you soon. We'll see you on the next, uh, the next one. All righty.